the wording of the email he sent was, seemed a little bit like strong. I think Dean Peterson is absolutely in the right. It's very clear that the 1619 Project is more of a political endeavor than it is an academic or intellectual or, for that matter, a historical endeavor. Calling the 1619 Project um, anti-American and leftist indoctrination, like it just, it was very explosive. I don't think this is the worst thing that could happen to Pepperdine. I think it was the School of Public Policy has a conservative dean, and so a lot of students might disagree with some of his conservative views. It's disrespectful and an insult to phrase the 1619 Project or any of these ethnic study critical race theories classes as unpatriotic. It's an insult. Quite honestly, like, I, I don't really think he did anything wrong, necessarily, other than standing up for his beliefs. Today is Friday, October 23rd. The voices you just heard are Pepperdine students reacting to a controversial email sent out last week by the Dean of Pepperdine School of Public Policy, Pete Peterson. The email was sent to a list of conservative news subscribers as part of a fundraising campaign for the school. It contains a petition aimed against what it considers the leftist indoctrination of students in American classrooms. More specifically, the email calls for the removal of the 1619 Project and other, quote, anti-American, ethnic, and racially focused civics curriculum. For the Graphics News Podcast, I'm Lindsay Sullivan. And I'm Ivy Moore. The email was first met with some confusion by Pepperdine administrators who were not aware of the campaign before it was sent. Here's news editor Ashley Malreader, who reported on the email last week on the university's initial reaction. So when this was kind of circulating and people were not sure about like its validity, what kind of did the reporting process look like for you when you were getting started? Because the university was not aware that this email campaign was happening, it required a lot of time on their end to sort of figure out what the statement was going to be and how they were going to approach this issue because they were caught off guard just as much as we were. And so we actually had to wait about a day and a half for that statement. And so in the meantime, I was contacting different faculty and administrators at different Pepperdine levels. Um, I reached out to the history department, to the education department, to the grad school of education and psychology, just to try and get some perspective on the 1619 project, because I had listened to the podcast, the 1619 project podcast, but I wasn't super familiar with it. And I wasn't sure about the curriculum. I had to do a lot of research on that issue as well, because it wasn't just that there was this email campaign going around that seemed very not Pepperdine tone-wise, or that it was a very strange message from Pepperdine to present, but there was also this theme of anti-1619 curriculum and um, anti-ethnic curriculum in classrooms, and so that was also something that I had to go back and really dig into. So why the 1619 podcast? Like, why was that the focus of Peterson's petition and just, I feel like that was a focus of part of your article, but I feel like there's so many different educational resources out there in podcasts or whatever form, but I'm just curious, why did, why is it so heavily against 1619 specifically? The 1619 Project 
is just for background is the New York Times is magazine. They published it in 2018, I believe. And it's a Pulitzer winning magazine. Basically, the whole narrative is just reframing the context of American history from the perspective of a black individual in the United States. So the magazine says, let's take a look at U.S. history through the lens of a black person. And in that situation, the history of the United States begins 1619, not 1776, which is the traditional American Birth of America Day because it's the Declaration of Independence signing. And so that in and of itself is controversial to a lot of different people because they don't want to believe that America was founded in slavery or that slavery was the root of America. But that's the conversation that the magazine is trying to have. It's just this idea that slavery is the root of American history and that slavery has always been something that's dominated American life and especially the lives of black Americans. And so the other controversial aspect of the magazine is that it is a challenging take on history. And with that, not every claim in the magazine is very historically based. Um, one of the claims that is also disputed is um, capitalism as rooted in plantation slavery and that the model of American capitalism is rooted in basically modeled off of plantation slavery. Since it was created, over 4,500 schools nationwide have adopted the project's curriculum into their classrooms at some capacity. But a list of historians on all sides of the political spectrum have criticized the project for some of the historical inaccuracies it contains. Some historians even requested corrections that were ignored by the project's author. Here's Dean Peterson. It's difficult to criticize in nuanced terms, let me just say. Mm -hmm. um, because I think some have said that my criticism of the 1619 Project means that I endorse a history that doesn't include um, slavery or uh, the experience of Native Americans or others, and that's not at all what I'm saying. But I am saying that the 1619 Project specifically, just in its title and framing, um, cast the founding in the fact or the timing of the first slaves coming to America and the fact that American history not be seen as kind of a continuing series of, of, of progress made across an array of different people groups and categories. Um, but one that uh, saw actually the revolution, the American Revolution, not as uh, the so-called war for independence, but as an attempt to uh, protect the system of slavery in the United States from a country, Great Britain, that was through the work of great Christians, uh, I might add, uh, was was abolishing slavery. And that is just not historically true. Uh, in fact, there were many times during the founding period uh, and in the writing of the Constitution uh, where, where attempts were made to abolish slavery at the founding. Now, those did not become winning arguments. And it's fair to say that 
if they did become winning arguments, we wouldn't have had a United States as we know it. The email garnished a considerable number of reactions among community members in both criticism and defense of Peterson's statements. Um, I'm, I'm sensing that the objections to these campaigns are twofold. One is the tone is not Pepperdine's. It's very aggressive, um, frankly, crass in some ways. But the other part of it is objections to my critique of uh, the 1619 project as a civics curriculum or uh, the broader critique I'm making about the challenges that conservative students face and conservative faculty face on a lot of college campuses. And I don't step back from either one of those two critiques. To get a historian's perspective, Ashley spoke with Seaver history professor Loretta Honeycutt, who said that calling the 1619 Project leftist indoctrination is unhelpful. Some folks think that if a historical essay has one error in it, that means you have to toss out the whole thing. No, that's not how historians think. We like to engage in an exchange of ideas. It doesn't mean we agree with everything we read. I don't... I don't know that I would agree with everything that's in that, but I very much object to calling it leftist indoctrination. How is it leftist to want to wrestle with slavery? <laughs> I mean, you could say, you know what, maybe she claims too much. Why? Did she exaggerate the impact? Maybe. But it's not indoctrination to talk about a really complex issue and say we haven't appreciated how complex it is. Some students even called for Peterson's removal from office because they felt that the email was racially insensitive. Black at Pepperdine, an Instagram account highlighting Black experiences in the Pepperdine community, shared a post calling the petition, quote, the most absurd and disgusting thing to come out of the Pepperdine administration, unquote. They added that teaching about race and racism is not anti-American because America is not white. Here's Pepperdine Law alum Aaron Bratton and Seaver sophomore Sakina Godfrey. It's, it's an insult, really. It's disrespectful and an insult to phrase the 1619 Project or any of these ethnic study critical race theories classes as unpatriotic. It's an insult. You're trying to tell me, my ancestors, you know, my name is Aaron Bratton and uh my last name comes from Brattonsville, South Carolina, Rock Hill, South Carolina. This is the plantation that my family comes from. So we, we migrated to Southern California in the 1950s, but the true history of my family is we come from a slave plantation. Are you telling me I'm not American? That's the insult. You're saying my family has been here for three, 400 years, and you're telling me to, for me to teach the history of people that look like me and my grandparents and great-grandparents and Jim Crow. It's not just about slavery, but to teach that history is un-American. It's really an insult to American citizens like me. If there's any non-Black people listening to this, I would like to explain why it does not make any sense for you to really have an opinion, whether or not you agree with the majority of Black people that this is offensive or you think that it was just blatant truth. It's the equivalent of if 
you hypothetically, your whole family's lineage had been insulted. And I came across watching from an objective perspective. And I was like, that's not offensive. You want to know why I don't think that's offensive? Because it didn't offend me. And, you know, there's like two members out of like, what, your 50 family, um, your 50 membered family that say that this isn't offensive. So I'm going to point at them and say, use them as evidence to say that this is not offensive. So it's really just hands off. You can't have opinions on these types of things when they don't affect you. It's not identity politics. It's not division. It is blatantly that this could never in a million years affect you. It could never in a million years offend you. So it doesn't logically make sense for you to say that it's not offensive. Despite its debated historical content, some students and faculty still see value in the 1619 Project for the perspective it can bring to American history. Here's recent Seaver alum, Anastasia Costin. I mean, my take is it's not perfect, but it's the first of its kind. Like that project is really about recentering the way people have thought, thought and um, you know, their beliefs. It, it almost, it ties directly to people's beliefs. And so I think when, when you're taking on a project of that size, right, where you need to change people's longstanding beliefs, that's really difficult. And that's a process that's gonna be met with a ton of criticism and pushback, and it's gonna take a really long time. Some students wonder if a middle ground can be achieved between the two sides of the argument. Here's senior Millie Vieira. Probably, I think Peterson's views and the views in 1619 and students who are really advocating for that conversa conversation don't necessarily have to be mutually exclusive in the way it's presented right now. It kind of seems like it's either you don't want to learn about race at all and it's only um, American values or it's the opposite. And I wonder if there are ways where like as Pepperdine students, we can be a bit more constructive and understand the importance of American tradition and history and also bring ideas of 1619 into the conversation. I don't know. Other students defended Peterson's statements, claiming that historically inaccurate documents such as the 1619 Project should have no place in intellectual institutions. Here are juniors Spencer Lindquist and Reed Owen. So when we're looking at an academic institution such as Pepperdine, uh, an institution that prides itself on its academic and intellectual prowess, we have to assess what is legitimate to have in such a setting and what isn't. And history or ahistorical endeavors and projects such as these that could that intend to frame and reframe American history in a certain light, particularly for a political purpose, it's got no place in any form of academic or intellectual institution. It, it simply cannot be acceptable for an academic institution to embrace the rewriting of history to fit a particular ideology and then including that in the curriculum. Now, I, I, I think a lot of the, the um, maybe the defense to, to putting, you know, 1619 project in curriculum is that, oh, you know, it is a, it is, it is a relevant topic in this given state of the world in that it's, you know, it's, it's a pretty controversial issue. Um, and so, 
you know, I, I, I guess I could see, I could understand um, why somebody might want to bring it up as a talking point and go, you know, let, let's say it's a history class or something and you bring up the 1619 project and, you know, you let, you let the students decide for themselves or, or, and you include the information that it has been refuted by, mm-hmm. by um, notable scholars. And, but I'm not really seeing that. All I'm seeing is, is it being put, the agenda being pushed that this, this revisionist history is history. It's important to note that the petition itself was addressed to President Trump, who in the past month called for the removal of critical race theory from American schools and other institutions. Critical race theory is being forced into our children's schools. It's being imposed into workplace trainings, and it's being deployed to rip apart friends, neighbors, and families. The left is attempting to destroy that beautiful vision and divide Americans by race in the service of political power. By viewing every issue through the lens of race, they want to impose a new segregation, and we must not allow that to happen. With all this in mind, Peterson's email critiques not only the 1619 Project and other ethnic studies, but more resoundingly, it critiques modern American academia for stifling viewpoint diversity. More specifically, the email itself and the response it received points to conservatives who feel their voices have been silenced. During our interviews with Lindquist, Peterson, and Owen, they shared this sentiment. We see it gets repeated every single time anybody who's on the right of the political spectrum um, makes a, a consistent or logically coherent argument, the first, uh, the first option is always to shout racist, right? So that's what we're seeing right now. We're, we're hearing shouts of racism. We're hearing shouts that, uh, that this is anti-Black, that this is rooted in some form of prejudice or animosity towards one or multiple racial groups. Uh, and this is something that is used to shut down conversation. Uh, These are nine times out of 10 baseless insults. In this case, it certainly is a baseless insult. But what is very telling is that some of the same people who are saying that they're a voice for tolerance, that they're a voice for diversity, for inclusion, these are, uh, in some cases, the same individuals who have posted and said things that are are virulently anti-American, that shame America for our history, uh, and that, that looks to focus on, particularly on the flaws of our country rather than the unique greatness that our country has. There have been dozens of survey research studies to show just how far left academia has gone. Uh, I speak to conservative student groups around the country, and I know many of them have to do things like change their major um, from, say, journalism or political science, just to name two, Uh, to something like marketing or business just because they don't think they're going to get a fair shake in their class. And so that set of issues is something that's really near and dear to my heart. I mean, it's right on the front page of our SBP website that viewpoint diversity is something 
important for any college campus. And it doesn't mean swinging the pendulum so that you're only hearing conservative voices. But when people start making major decisions um, because they don't feel they can get a fair shake, I think that's when we, we start. Um, it should be concerning to everyone because I think colleges need to be places, especially colleges, where we hear other people's opinions, not just see people who look differently from us, but hear people that think differently than us. I think especially, especially on college campuses, um, people who may happen to be a little bit more conservative, um, or not even conservative for that matter, just not necessarily holistically buying into the narrative that the left is pushing right now, they really do feel silenced. In order to promote, in order to be dedicated and devoted to progress and promoting um, intellectual diversity, you can't shut down one side of the discussion. You can't start calling for the, the dean's job when he says something that you don't necessarily agree with. The university suspended the campaign until further notice, but what consequences will come out of the email that was already sent? Should the 1619 project be abolished or embraced in schools? Are historical errors worth telling a different side of history? And how does this all play into the possibility of modern academia placing pressure on students to conform to a certain narrative? Is unity possible within an increasingly polarized political environment? Oh, let's be willing to have conversations with each other when we don't agree. Let's be willing to sit down at the same table, uh, physically or metaphorically, and have these hard conversations because we can't expect division to be healed um, if we're just shouting at each other, uh, if, we are, if we're not willing to listen to the other side. We want to know what you think. Tweet us your thoughts at pepgraphic or send us an email at graphic at pepperdine.edu. Thanks for listening to The Graph.